using the Zayf Hadith, can it make it Sunnah? Okay, because we had these three categories. Sunnah, Sunnah, New, and Bidah. Okay? So far I suggested these three categories to you. Sunnah I defined for you, Vohogyata. I didn't, I quoted all these definitions to you. Hanbali, Shafi, Malik, etc. Bidat, I quoted the definition to you. Khilafi, Shara, what were the two things? Khilafi, Shara, and there was another point I gave you. There were two points. Khilafi, Shara, and this notion of specifics and generalities which I have to cover within a moment. And then we saw a whole range of particularly nafil ibadat. I actually have only stuck to this realm of ibadat. Although there are other babs in the shini, right? Of nafil ibadat, of new things, and we saw numbers, we saw times, and we saw regularity, ihtimam, every day. And we saw this from Sahaba, Tabin, and Tabai Tabin. Neither Sunnat, but nor Bidat. In other words, Jais. Let's call it at the very least Jais. But if we were honest, we saw lots of commendations, so we can even call it praiseworthy. And that's really what Nafil is. Nafil is praiseworthy. Reward earning. Right? Earning reward, as opposed to just merely Mubah, which is just licit, or Jais, which is permissible. I'm call, yeah, you, you won't find this label. You won't find this label, but what you do, you do have traditional scholars giving it a different label. You have the category, but not my label. Label, Bidat Hasana. That's what Sayyidina Omar said. We had Sayyidina Omar giving his label, Bidat Hasana, and I told you Imam Shafi'i Amtai also gives this label. Right? Imam Shafi'i Allah uses this term. Okay, actually sometimes he calls it Bidat Mahmuda. As opposed to bidat the mazmuma, which is the mazmum, blameworthy, blameworthy innovation. This is praiseworthy, right? But I was trying to get not so technical, right? Because you appear to be bidat kala zagi, and I appear to be look. And that's possible. I'm, I'm again doing this called the tradition. The Islam yapan apko 1850 say agi For me, the tradition. I've told you guys that before. 1850 ends. You won't see me in many Malan Tanvik bin Amnilin. I mean, I stopped at 1850. Right? Fair enough? Okay. So, we could label it in different ways, but the key, we are now, because this is the benefit of having a longer intensive session, is we can go beyond the labels. Right? And look at the haqqaq, the realities, and their sifat. And these are the things that we have shown. And we showed all of this from zero hadith. Right? Not from any hadith. So, in other words, this category is, if I was to put it in Arabic, if you want to get, is ma thabata min sunnah Not sabit from the sunnah. In other words, that those things that are not sabit from the sunnah in nafil ibadat are divided into two categories. Those things that are not sabit from the sunnah and are also khilaf, khilaf shara, khilaf Quran, khilaf sunnah. Shara is in common, khilaf to the sharia. That is going to be called a bad, is something negative, so you will use your bidat negatively applied for that. And there will be something that is not sabit from the sunnah, but is not khilaf shara, and therefore that is going to be nasr. Jai's or it can be in the range between permissible and praiseworthy. Alright? Now if you do all that from zero hadith, what are you going to use these hadith for? Only in terms of nafal ibadat, I'm not talking about the use of Hadith for Fars. And first of all, I'm not talking about use of Hadith for an Aqidah. I'm not talking about use of Hadith to establish a Fars or a Wajb or even a Sunnah or a Haram or a Makru. I'm only talking about in this classification, which is sort of semi-mine, right? 
using Hadith to establish an ibadat as nafal or establishing the fazilat, in other words, the sawab, in other words, the praiseworthiness, right, of a particular ibadat. For that, the muhaddisin feel that you can use a zayf Hadith for that. No, Moses you can't use for that. Moses, Moses is nothing. Moses is inadmissible evidence in court. I mean, you might not need evidence, but just because you don't need evidence doesn't mean you still won't admit inadmissible evidence. I might not need testimony, I think you're innocent. Some liar comes in and tells me I'm lying to you and says he's innocent. I'm still going to call him a liar. I'm still going to kick him out of court. Even though I won't need his testimony, but it doesn't mean I'm going to accept his testimony. Right? Over here, it's just that simple that those who view that sanad to be mazur aren't going to use it, and those who view it to be zayf are going to use it. That's how this that's how this one is going to work out, right? But they can only use it to establish some this thing. Why is this, right? And that is where a second type of bidat comes in, and that is what the fuqaha have always been very strong about, and that is the type of bidat that happens in many of the issues that you've mentioned. In addition to certain things you brought up are totally khilaf and shara. I mean, wubi is for baskartum, I mean, this grave worship and, you know, wubi osakta, right? But some of the other issues, let's say, for example, nisfu shaban, the 15th of shaban. Let me say, take, let me take that as an example, alright? Uh, now, you have hadith, that actually, those hadith are in this category. Some hadithin have viewed them to be hasan, some have viewed their chains to be zayf. Let me first define a Zayf Hadith for you, so you understand what a Zayf Hadith is. A Zayf Hadith is that Hadith that has been transmitted through an absolutely, perfectly, completely, rigorously, soundly authenticated chain of transmission with but one single narrator who has some slight doubt in him. That is a weak Hadith. If you really translate it according to the whole... Uh, according to the whole discipline of ulum al-hadith, that is what a weak hadith is. Again, I will repeat, I, I, I repeat it again, a weak hadith, sorry, a weak hadith, a zayf, a zayf hadith, a zayf hadith is that hadith that has been transmitted from the Prophet ﷺ through an absolutely, completely, perfectly, rigorously authenticated and sound chain of narration and has one single narrator in that chain who is of slightly doubtful reliability. Because inshallah when you study, right, how quickly you become zayf, it's just a slight doubt that makes the rawi zayf. That is the real meaning of zayf hadith. As opposed to what we think that zayf hadith is you know, that's how we... And again, these things are used emotively on you, right? And, 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 and you know, people know your buttons, right? And they know which button to push. And Zayf and Bidat, these two words, if they come together, Allah Akbar, again, that's even worse than atheism, right? If I can somehow take some act and use the word both Zayf and Bidat on that act and Voto, I mean it's equivalent in your mind to what the Hindu does. And sometimes people will. That's Ghulu. I mean not many, but a few will even go and call it Shirk. Right? Allah. Not that Shirk doesn't exist. There are some things you wrote me that are Shirk actually. Well, I mean when we do the issues, we'll sort of do that. But I'm starting with those issues. You see, 
worshipping the person inside his grave, that's not for many Zayfadis, right? So I'm not, that's not, I'm on this, I'm in this issue first of those saying that you actually have Zayf or Zayf slash Hassan Hadith for them. And that is the Fazilat of Nisfi Shaban. That is the Fazilat of that night. Now, what does this border mean? When I said you can only do it for Nafal, only do it for Fazilat, that what I was telling you was the second aspect of Bidat. So there are two ways a thing can become Bidat. That's what I put for you, the specific general. The first one is if it's Khilaf al something new that is against the Shriya, something ma sabata min zaman nabi or man min nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Plus, is Khilaf al or, watch this, and that is, is that you elevate it, you elevate it up, you elevate it to a level higher than it is. You say it sunnah. That makes it a bidah. You think to pray anything on 15th of Shaban is sunnah, that's a bidah. So first of all, we get back to the issue where I said, itikal. Right? In your outlook. Your concept of that act has just, I mean, they're hearing, yeah, itikal, your concept of that act. You view that act. I'tikad, you can also see this is related to Aqidah, but it's not Aqidah, that's why it's a different form. I'tikad means your tasawwur of that act. The way you conceive of that act, you think it's sunnah. That's bidat. You say it's sunnah to do 12,000 tasbihs a day, it's bidat. You say it's sunnah to pray 300 rakats a day, that's bidat. You say it's sunnah to recite the Quran every day and twice every day in Ramadan, is bidat. Right? That viewing it as sunnah, that is bidat. So you cannot view that, that's why this border, this nafil is a huge border that is up there. Second, all, I mean, I'm saying all these things. Secondly, that what, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left unspecified, you can specify for yourself, but you cannot specify it in the deen. That is bidat. So to say that, on nisfi shaban mine para ki falane saw rakat pare, to ham ku sab akar saw rakat to take something that was specific and to generalize it, you can't do that. You can, what, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left open, you may choose a particular way to do that, but you cannot generalize your particular way and try to get everybody to do that. Because the whole reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left it open was to leave it unspecified. There is no specific act of worship that you must do on 15th of Shaman. But if any individual says every year I recite some dua or some, or I pray at least one month, let's say somebody, let's give you an example. It's an example of somebody says that every year in the 9 to 15th of Shaban, what I do is I get up and pray one month of Qaza prayers. Wake or both natures. Right? That is ijma of all of the four imams. That is all the four madhaibs, ijma. So according to Imam Dhabi al-Hanbali al-Sibarni Dasit. But I'll give you a reading on that that basically closes the whole idea. Anybody who thinks there's no kaza actually believes in irtidal. Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal said there's no kaza umri because he said he took this hadith literally. Man taraka salatan muta'ammadan fakad kafar. That that person who leaves salah knowingly and deliberately becomes a kafir. So he viewed that person as a kafir. And when that person makes tawbah and decides to become Muslim and says, Mere think as I, he says, you're, it's okay, you were a non-Muslim at that point. Right? That's the only way. So if you want to, but you cannot just take the ruling, you must take the usul. 
if somebody wants to apply this on himself or on their husband, they must say that my husband was kafir for all those years, my nikah was batil, we were living in zina, my children are wadl the zina, that were born at that time, my children will not get to share in us. So they have to apply all of the ahkam of murta to that period of that man's life. If you want to do that, maybe kanga ke no kaza. But mera khala aap kehenge ke kaza. As opposed to being murta, Right? Huh. Alright? That's the only way. People have this big misunderstanding that some of our friends have done. They've taken the Hanbali ruling without following the Hanbali usul. You can't do that. Because the only basis for that ruling is the, is the irtidad bani hadith. There's no other delil for that ruling. So apply the irtidad hadith. But apply it not just to kaza, you have to apply it to everything now. Right? Khair, let's say somebody decides, anyway I was telling you that if you follow the ijmaam, the aimai arba, that if somebody says that every 15 Shaban, I offer one month of kaza, so whatever he calculates at 30 days, 5, 150 prayers, no problem. He can, part, he can pick a particular amal for himself. But he cannot say, put up a flyer that you must pray one month kaza on this night. You cannot specify what Allah Ta'ala has made specified. If you do that, that's a bidat. His own amal on it won't be a bidat, but making it general is a bidat. Then there's another, but at the same time, what is allowed, so that's what's not allowed, what is allowed is ihtimam. That's what I wanted to show you. That people say they can know, but har saal ye kyun karta hai? Well, I just showed you. Sahaba, taaba, taabin, har roz wo yamal karna. And hadith the Prophet said that ahabul amali in the Allahi adwa muhawa in kalb. That the most beloved of amal in Allah subhanahu wa taala's regard adwa muhaw the ones that you do regularly. And the most extreme that would be the ones you do daily. Wa in kalla even if they're few. By making the adad ikhtiyari, by saying what in kalla means they're nawafah. So it means the most beloved nafal ibadat are the ones that you do daily. Right? So if a person says that, right, and that has a certain barakah in it, that's istikamat. What is istikamat? Right? So if a person does personal ihtimam on that, no problem. Right? Quick at the har jumma surah kaaf partam. Beef sauce, it still doesn't make it farce. Still doesn't make it wajib. Still doesn't make it sunnah. It's still nafil. Your ihtimam can't change that. And as long as your ihtimam hasn't changed it in your itikal, that even though you are very regular on it, as regular as you may be in a farce, right? That's what the, all the muhaddisin, when they were asked, are you hafiz of hadith? They said, I know hadith like people know fatiha. But to know fatiha is farce because you need it for salah, right? But it doesn't mean that it's farce to memorize hadith. But they did so much ihtimam of hifsi hadith, actually more. Their ihtimam of hifsi hadith was more than mine and yours hifs of those few ayat that we even, right? So doing ihtimam doesn't change ittikad. Ittikad is in your heart. If in your heart you still think it's nafal, even though you're super regular on it, that's not a problem. But, no, no, you can't, that's what I say, you can't put up a flyer so everybody must pray one, one month kazamri on Fitnitsa Shaban. Hmm. No, no. You can share when if he says, Yaar bari fazilat ki raat hai, me kya karo? You can share that I made a amal to yeh ke me ek mene kaza parta. But you cannot, there, for what, you see there's, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala left in unspecified. To, for example, in night of 15 shabab, mutlak nafil ibadat ki fazilat hai. There is no greater fazilat or less fazilat for any particular type of ibadat. So if you suggested to a mutlakan, that is jazz. If you suggest to him with any insinuation that this is a particular better type of worship that night and some other worship may not be as whatever accepted or rewarding that night, that that is bidah. 
to think yeah, that. But on the top of that, if you keep the belief no, no, but what you, no, no, but what you, but what you like for yourself is to do muklak nafinibadat. That's what we're saying. That's what you like for yourself. We're not going to say what you like for yourself is the particular thing. Because the particular thing has no basis. That's your tabiat. That's like me telling you, why don't you tell him to buy that type of apnevul suit pikiana? Apnevujakunadia. A mehadis papasthamakarta? That like for your brother what you like for yourself. I've met you so many times, you've never ever told me to wear that kameez. Even though you like that style for yourself. But we can't just use hadith like that. Yeah, you guys go, you run to the hadith too quickly. Hadith is not to be used for things like that. Right? Right, somebody buys a Corolla, sees his friend buying a Civic. Am I going to say, Aapne yaar, Aapne bataai nahi Corolla lehna chahiye? Me kyun bataao, uske apne marzi, tabiyat hai, shape me gunjai se, nahi. Aap, kyunke apne liye Civic pasand karte hai, to hadith kata hai, ke aapko bhi usko kehna chahiye, ke wo bhi Civic pasand kar. Aisa nahi hata. Right? Aisa nahi. Those things are tabiyat, not on the jamaas. Right? So, this issue of Nisfi Shabbat. Now, what happens is that people will say, let me add now. Sometimes practices evolve, and this is something we're also worried about. So what you see is that, okay, fine. I can accept that, okay. And again, you don't have to. You can say that, look, if you want to say that, I'm still not going to do any worship that night. No problem, because it was nothing. That's another aspect of bidah. This is mentioned in Ayn Yula'i Matalikuhu. That the person who leaves that nafil ibadat apuski mulamat karte, you reprimand them. You say, Yaar apni, apko kya ho gaya? Pandar shaban hai. Ap masjid nahi gaye. Apne musalla nahi nikala. Apne ye nahi kiya. You can't say that to them because it's nafil ibadat. Can just think like just think like the Friday reading surah kaf. You can't say this in your jumat apne surah kaf hi nahi pada. Maybe in that your muhammad you can say now you can use this hadith that if they're close to you and you feel that they're a person who needs to increase their rabbit with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it was an opportunity for them you could suggest to them to do mutlaqan ibadat but if they didn't you find that the next morning you cannot reprimand them because you cannot reprimand somebody for not doing nafal ibadat because nafal ibadat is purely ikhtiyari you have the option to do it and if the person who doesn't do it is not to be reprimanded in any way so that is another way, that if you do so much ihtimam of it, that you reprimand the other, that's also, that reprimanding is bidat. Still doesn't make your amal and your ihtimam bidat, but that act of reprimanding becomes bidat. Then what happens is you move from the individual to the collective. The question is that, okay, should we have shabbi barat program in the masjid? Right? The shabbi barat ke ek wo ishtahar lagai masjid mein, ke Wednesday night is shabbi barat. Okay, it's not provable, Sakti Shabbat Barat. So let's just say Nisfi Shabbat. Right? This Barat is because, and that is this category, either weak or fabricated Hadith. We'll be being Batasaktamis if you want. So I'll take out those references while you're having tea. Right? I'll show you the Hadith on Shabbat Barat. Right? And some of the comments that have been made on that. And again, you'll be amazed that all these emails go out between the 1st and 15th of Shabbat. One group is giving only one set of Asnaad. The other group is giving only the other set of asnaf. If you read this group's email, you will say what? That Nisfi Shaban and everything to do it, and even the date is all bidat. If it was up to them, they're so just, they'd take it out of the calendar and just go straight from 14th to 16th of Shaban. <laughs> right? You go to the other group, and the other group will make you think that this thing is better than Laylatul Qadr. Right? I mean, ye to hai. Right? You know, 
and these emails are going back and forth, and the kids are just laughing at it. You don't even realize the people who send these emails. I mean, but they don't even realize that only 10% of the recipients will actually get converted to their emails. Is this another 90% will become disillusioned with the entire deen? Right? The other 90% that when you send out the Laylul Qadr email or even the Ramadan email will just laugh at that because they, you, that's, you belittled your deen so much in their eyes. Right? So, collective. Now, this is where it gets tricky. But my own position on that is that you should not collectively organize any specific ibadat. But definitely, if mutlaqe nafal ibadat has a fazilat on that night, and if people feel, either people feel themselves or the elders of that community feel that people's iman is so weak, that they won't do things on their own. That there may be a young man who accepts the fazilat and wants to do some nafal ibadat on that night. But he's not going to do so unless you provide an environment that's conducive for him. There's nothing wrong with collectively arranging that environment as long as you don't specify anything in that environment. For example, all of you could study bidat on your own. There was a view amongst all of you collectively that you would better be able to understand it if you came together as a collective. So we gathered as a collective group. If I asked you that, okay, if I'd, I could have, I could have transcribed, I could have given this lecture somewhere and transcribed and emailed it to you, how many would have read it? Many would say, no, I don't think, you know, I really have to go to these things, you have to sit me in a room, you've got to make me free, only then will I do something for two, three hours. You leave me on my own, I'm not going to last more than 20 minutes. I will tell you that 90% of kids who are religious cannot do anything unless you're after them. Right? It's just not possible. So I personally, my view, right, if you want, chalo, kabhi hum mufti bhi bante, mera fatwa, Allah akbar, mera fatwa, is that it's jais for people to get together, to arrange, or to advertise, or to post, that this night is Nisr Shaban. But, they must mention, that it is just nafil. It has a possible fazilat. Also, that's nothing, you cannot have a yakin in the fazilat, if it's coming from this. This reflects a possibility or a probability, a probability, but not a certainty, right? And no particular thing needs to be forced on a particular person. But if people want to offer the masjid, and that is really what the masjid is for anyway, right? I mean, now you will say in the Prophet and Hadith that don't make your homes graves, right? That is for those sahaba, right? That they're being told that, look, you should do some ibadat in your home also. Both the ibadat karne wale ke liye bataya hai. The difference, right? And no collective, right? Because like I told you again, that those were people whose homes, their lives were vibhavat. You see, let's say I told the kid not to, he can't come in the masjid vidat. In his dorm room and his wing, people are playing music. That's the purpose of masjid as a sanctuary. It, the masjid has a different role today. You have to accept that. It doesn't mean we're trying to outdo the Prophet. But the masjid today has a different role, even a greater role in some ways, than the masjid of Nabi did in Medina Manawara. Because the masjid is like an island in an ocean of fitna. Right? Masjid Nabi was not an island in an ocean of fitna. It was an island in an ocean of... I mean, it was... Masjid ka bar ka maal, randa ka mahal mein farak hi nahi tha. Aaj no jawaan dastin ne takaaf karta hai, aur pehre ek gante mein puncture hota hai. Nahi samjhe. So if we tell that person, look, you should come to the masjid, 
Right? And I'm going to even go even further. And if we say we're going to have a bayan, why? Because people need targhib. And the Prophet ﷺ has done so much targhib, that is a sunnah. And many ahadith did targhib. Now we're not going to do targhib about this night, beyond this night. But the bayan will be on ibadat, the bayan will be on Allah Ta'ala ki muhabbat, the bayan will be on tawbah, the bayan can be on following the sunnah, the bayan can be on taqwa, the bayan can be on so many things. So that person then, when he's in the masjid, so you gave him a good mahal, you took him out of the fitna environment. And second, but he brought in his heart, right? Which has all types of thoughts, all types of distractions. By giving him a good bayan, you also cleanse his heart, you pumped up his heart. Nothing wrong with that, right? Huh, if your itikad is to give bayan in Nisfi Shaban sunnah, then it's bidat. If you think that you must give bayan on that night, that is bidat. But if you think that there's a group of people here who have left, and I'm giving as an example, but it's not just the dorm rooms, all of your whole country is like that. Right? The mahal outside the masjid is way worse than the mahal inside the masjid. And many people, their own homes, their brother, their roommates with their brother, their brother has a TV. Their parents are always watching TV. Or they'll say that, look, my mom's, if I go to the masjid, she's not going to say anything. I can do whatever I want all night. I can do all the ibadat I want. If I'm at home, somebody's going to call me, somebody's going to tell me to do this, right? Uh, and so there is nothing wrong with the masjid opening itself, let's say. I mean, the masjid should be open 24 hours anyway. But if the masjid does ihtimam to make sure it's open that night, or hosts a program to jumpstart those ibad in their ibadat, it's just. Because now remember also to declare something as haram. And this binat is actually haram. This what, what I've categorized as binat. You need a delil ishari for that. Right? If the act itself is jayas, going to the masjid jayas, praying salah on the masjid jayas, listening to a bayan in the masjid jayas, listening to the bayan in the masjid, praying salah to the masjid, all of that is jayas. For you to elevate that to a binat which is haram, you need a delil for that. Either has to be khilaf shara or you have to show some false ittikam. And as long as it is pure of those two things, there's nothing wrong with it. So first question is, ayatikrima. So two, and you've written 125,000 times, I think some people say 120,000 times, right? If a person believes this number is in any way sunnah, that is a bidat. If a person views this number as in any way better than any other number, that if I recite it 125,000 times, something will happen. And if I recite it 124,000 times, 124,999 times, that is a bidat. Right? If a person decides just to pick some number, like say the Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu did, and chooses to do their ihtimam on that, that is permissible. If a person wants to copy somebody else's number, but as long as their itikad isn't there, that that number has any extra special value, that is jazz. Alright? What you have, however, again in Pakistan, is you have, basically, the way I would put this is, you have these things going on in a munazzam way. So you'll have a group of people who are all told that they're being invited to recite, and this ayat is specifically called ayat karima in Pakistan. And ayat karima will be recited 120,000 times. And people all come there with that niyat to recite it 120,000 times. And I really don't know, but maybe people split it up themselves. Is that what happens, right? So maybe everybody does a thousand if you've got 120 people, for example, right? So what happens is all, the more and more you move to that, the more and more it seems, nobody may say it with their tongue, but their amal is suggesting an etika that this other has some fazilat over another other. So 
It's asl the ittikaan. The amal can only be viewed as a symptom of that, as an alamat of that. Right? If their ittikaan is that this number has a fazilat over any other number, that is a bidat. But I'm going to tell you one other thing, because I'm going to be completely open with you. I'm going to give you the other side. The other side is that there's this whole tradition that says that the awliyaullah, the real awliya, that everybody believes in, they're the people that Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in his majmu'a fatawa in his volume on tasawwuf has used the word Sufi. And he says that Sufis are three groups. And the first group he says they're in Mashayikh al-Islam wa a'immatul huda. This is a word for word quote. They're in Mashayikh al-Islam and a'immatul huda. Faizan Zakaria Pulyani has read it with his own eyes just last quarter. And he includes in that people like Shaykh Abdul Jumani rahimahullah and very famous Sufi names. Right? That these awliya have kashf. And you also read, if you remember, Dr. Bak ibn Taymiyyah said that you can use kashf. You be zabardask what I gave you in your packet. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah says you can use kashf for things that are zanni. It doesn't make them kati. But they can be used to appoint something that has a level of probability and possibility. So sometimes, now this I have not found, and I actually looked for this one, that is there any person who is universally accepted by ulama as a sheikh and a wali, such as Shaykh Amda Qadda Jinani Rahimullah. Anybody, him or somebody like his stature who came up with this number. I haven't been able to find that. So I'm not, I'm not doing this example anymore, but theoretically, let's say somebody reads in a book of Imam Ghazali or Shaykh Amda Qadda that he mentions a particular surah to be recited or a particular name of Allah Ta'ala to be recited or a particular ayat like this to be recited a particular number of times. That at best you can call that the kashf of that wali or shaykh. The kashf of that wali or shaykh is nothing more than a zayf hadith. Can't do anything more than that. And just like the zayf hadith can only make something nafil or only grant something fazilat, so this kashf is going to be lower than that. So what the kashf can be used, it can indicate only a possibility. Where the Zayf Hadith is indicating a probability, right? The kash can only indicate a possibility that maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to this wali of his that this particular verse, if it's recited so many times, carries a particular shifa. There's certain people who won't accept that possibility. I'm just sharing you this position, that there is a position that people feel that they do receive something called kash and ilham. And Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah rahimullah has accepted the existence of Kashf and Alham in his Majmu'ah Fatawa. He's even such a karamat. I didn't bring what the Dushri topic here. But bro, I have all this stuff. And so those who accept it, and again I'm showing you the scholarly tradition. The reason I'm showing this is because unfortunately Kashf is a term that has been hijacked by the people who worship the people in the graves. So if I say the word Kashf or Ilham, you think I'm talking about them. I'm not talking about that. So I'm trying to reclaim our tradition from them. I'm trying to show you that this tradition speaks about these words. Right? Uh, and they would feel that if that, that can be a basis for your ihtima. But that cannot be a basis for your ittika. Because when your own aql was the basis for your ihtima. That made aql me'agya ke me'ek me'ek ke Right? And I said that was permissible. So if your aql can be the basis for your own individual ihtima, not any type of collective iltizam on somebody else. But if your own aql and your own tabiyat can be the basis for your ihtimam, then certainly the kash of a wali and a shaykh can be the basis for your ihtimam. But to have the ihtikad or the view that that number has a guaranteed fazilat, or if you don't reach that number, do it particularly, you can't. Because again, 
That's what it's saying specific in general. That which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left unspecified, if you specify, at your own particular level you can do a specific amal. But again, in your concept of that night, that there's something specific to be done on that night, that becomes bidat as well. Right? So it's very barik. This last thing is a very fine line. And that is why, again, for many people, they will have that knee-jerk reaction, that, ya, ye bachoro sabkuch, Right? No problem. 100% chance. But what I will suggest to you also, and I will end on this, that that person who says that if I read the du'as from Bukhari and Muslim, the night of 15th of Shaban, that that has more fazilat than if a person comes up with something, let's say praise one month of Qadr, that's also bidat. Because you also specified something that the Prophet did not specify for that night. Right? That's also bidat. To think that it's better, to think that this is also a way, to say that it suits my tabiyat more, that is all fine. But to take a shari stance, that is taking a shari stance to say something is afzal than something else, without a shari dalil, to elevate something beyond its place, to specify that which Allah Ta'ala left unspecified, all of those things are going to be bidat. Alright? So I did one question of Ayat Karima. Nafal Roza, ha, since I'm doing this for Shaban, there is no hadith that mentions that you should fast on this for Shaban. But there are hadith that are hasan, that mention that the Prophet recommended fasting on Ayami bees, which are the 13th, 14th, 15th of every lunar month. So 15th Shaban happens to fall under that. So the fazilat of fasting on the 15th of Shaban is established through Hasan Deep, but it's not with the month of Shaban. It's because it's the 15th of any lunar month. Right? And so there's a fazilat on fasting that day. And what happens is, it's a tabi thing, that a person who is doing ibadat that night may feel more of... Now, normally most of us don't do that sunnah fast of ayame bees of 13th, 14th, the other lunar month. Maybe that day will be more, there's a great probability of us doing it because the night preceding that day we were maybe, if we were doing the nafil ibadat that night, we may be more likely to do 15th of Shaban. But the fazilat of the fast on 15th of Shaban is from two hadith actually the Prophet Number one, the hadith of the fazilat of fasting on the ayamibis and second, many hasan hadith, even a sahihadi, on the, on the amal of the Prophet used to fast extensively in Shaban, especially the first half of Shaban. Although there is a hadith in Abu Dawud that specifically says after the 15th, the Prophet didn't fast. And so Imam Shafi'i's position is that it's makru to fast after the 15th. And that actually suggests that he fasted the 15th of Shaban. So if you look at the man of that hadith, third, that's actually suggesting that he fasted the 15th of Shaban in particular, because he wouldn't fast after that. When you say he fasted up to, it means up to and including the 15th of Shaban. So all of these things actually create several fazilats. Number one, the month of Shaban, fasting in the month of Shaban, any day, mentioned in date. Number two, fasting the 15th of any month, mentioned in date. So 15th of Shaban, you get, you join those two Hassan Hadiths, you get the Fazilat. And that Sahih Hadith in Sunan Abi Dawood, in which it, which is said that the Prophet used to fast excessively in Shaban, but not after the 15th. That may be an ishara that the Prophet actually had some extra ihtimam of fasting the 15th, in addition to the ihtimam established by those two other hadith about the 15th of any month and of the month of Shaban in entirety. Alright, so actually there is something extra about fasting. 
the 15th of Shaban. But again, what you will be given, you will never be given those hadith. They will not send you in that email, the hadith about fasting in the month of Shaban. They will not send you in that email, the hadith about fasting 13, 14, 15th. You will get one line saying that there is no specific hadith that specifically singles out the 15th of Shaban. Just like I told you, a woman will say there's no verse on the Quran that specifically says the word hair and I should cover it. Now, if you want to look for your own preconceived expressions and wordings in the Quran and Hadith, that's not a genuine way to understand your deen. Right? 